Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. Like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey guys, you ever wonder what Phil and I wear while we podcast? You can find out if you join our Patreon. We'll also be talking about the films of 1989, but that's definitely less important than seeing our Zoom backgrounds, our headphone choices, and our sweatshirts. It's true. It's true. You'll get to see all the various pieces of artwork that I have framed on my office wall, and you can see Kenny's garden, sort of. So that's something. That's exciting. It's a hanging garden. It's a hanging garden. Uh, But perhaps more important than anything, uh, we are doing this Patreon to cover the best films of 1989. Uh, Batman, When Harry Met Sally, Indiana Jones, The Last Crusade, Ghostbusters 2, with amazing guests like Tom Meissen, Liz Hanna, Joanna Robinson, Brian Cogman, Chuck Hayward. You can sign up at patreon.com backslash podcast like it's 1989. And for $5, you'll get access to all the audio of these fantastic episodes. For a few bucks more, you'll get video as well of our 99 and 89 episodes. And perhaps, most importantly, you'll be supporting us uh, so we can just keep making podcast content for you guys. Hello and welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999, the podcast where we talk about the films of 1999 on a $99 flight to London. I am one of your, oh, here in 2021, I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Nybar. And I'm Phyllis Gove. And with us today from the Screen Drafts podcast, it's our friend Clay Keller. Thank you for joining us, Clay. Oh, guys, thank you for <laughs> indulging my questionable idea to cover, I mean, you guys did say you're going to cover all the 99 movies. Yeah, yeah. I, sure did, I took that to mean that this was going to happen eventually, no matter what. Yeah. And I may as well go down with that ship. 
here's here's what I'll say. I didn't know this movie existed. I don't right. know if you knew this movie existed, Kenny. So when we compiled our list of all the movies of '99, there's invariably there's been a movie here or there where I've been like, oh, that came out in '99, or so, or that existed, or that up. existed, I mean, yeah. And and your love for Monica Potter Clay is what really brought this to the forefront. Sure. Uh, you know, understandably, you wanted to talk about Monica on the pod, uh-huh. and and this movie is going to give you that opportunity. I, yeah, I, I want to talk about this. Please. Um, Kenny's got questions. He's got thoughts. Of course, I, I always do. I, well, yeah, I've, 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 I have thoughts cloaked in the sheath of a question. Sure, 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 sure. sure, sure. No, but it's, it's a real question because it's really going to uh, dictate uh, a lot of the direction of this podcast. Okay. Play. Yeah. How much of your love for Monica Potter is ironic? I, I <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Because I don't know you that well, and I can't tell. <laughs> I, I have nothing. I have nothing but affection for Monica Potter, the person. She seems terrific. She's cool. uh, she seems like a real um, salt of the earth Midwestern lady with a good head on her shoulders, who I think is a good actor. Uh, and who I think is just charming that post-parenthood, she just left L.A. Yeah. and went to do like a reality show, like renovating her childhood home and reconnecting oh. with her childhood friends. Yep. And she's got a uh, like a YouTube and Facebook presence uh, that is very charming. Uh, she did a series on Facebook called Judge. I think it's called Judge Potter, where she uh, determined what was better between two things that were completely unrelated. <laughs> Here's, uh, what I, here's, about. here's what here's what I know. Kay. I think <laughs> this I think that, I think Kay, I think that Clay answered your question with his depth of knowledge of Monica Potter. Yeah, I just when, when you take Monica Potter, you assume there would maybe be one layer of charm and mm-hmm. interesting things about her, and then when she just keeps coming up with new stuff, which is great. Uh, I, I like her a lot. I was a big Parenthood fan, um, so I, I was a big uh, Christina Braverman fan. I thought she sort of got short shrift in terms of praise for that show. I she agree. she did not have a flashy part until her uh, she had a cancer storyline later on uh, on that show that got a lot of attention. Um, but otherwise, I feel like a lot of the air was taken up on that show by the other cast, all of whom are tremendous. I think it's a great show, but. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I would argue that that show never got really its due when it came yeah. to awards and sort of critical acclaim. Oh, well, yeah. I, I, I think that that show sure. was, was sort of existed in some weird purgatory. It, it was always kind of on the bubble. It never really fully connected. But with I, people. I do think people. people oh, people like, love it. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah but, I, I think it's a well-regarded yeah. show. But people, people love I, it. But but all that I, to say, I, all all that to say. I knew her just as parenthood lady, and she seemed like somebody who was made in a lab to play a nice mom on an NBC show. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's, yes. and, and when I discovered that she had a, a career that went back to the late 80s, and there was a, a four or five year period where she had her name above the title on studio movies, I was so blown away by it that I, it, it was, it was I, I just became fascinated with her career path more than anything. And then because I was the only person who ever talked about that, it became uh, a low-key uh, part of my brand, and then I had to embrace it. So I, I, it, it is at least a tiny bit I, I, ironic that I keep bringing it up all the time, but I do think it is a genuinely fascinating uh, 90s career arc. So what, what I think you did, Clay, 
It's a wrestling term. <laughs> uh, you you worked yourself into a shoot. Do you know what that means? Does that make sense? I'm figuring it out via context, yes. <laughs> yes, you worked yourself into a shoot, which for our listeners, I've used this term on the pod before. It's true, it's true. But it's when you, when you have a gimmick, and Clay's gimmick was, I think it would be funny to ironically love Monica Potter. Right. Yep. And then as you continue, you know, as you embrace it, you started to actually really love Monica Potter. Yeah. Now, I, I say this with... No judgment because I've done this over and over and over again Same. in my life. I did it with I did it with Joe Kim Noah, the basketball player, <laughs> who was the silly guy on Florida who all my friends hated. So I loved him and wound up genuinely loving him to the shirt where to the point where I have a shirt that says I love Joe Kim Noah. And the only <laughs> thing, it, and in my Twitter bio, the only thing I have is Joe Kim Noah fan. Um, I did yes, I did it with Stanley Tucci who 20 years ago was kind of, you know, a weird, not particularly attractive, not particularly spectacular uh, supporting actor. And that was everybody's favorite fucking actor in the world. Yeah. Um, You know, I used to joke about how the Tooch was my favorite actor and now he just might be. So, you know, I I get it. Clay, you know, you you have worked yourself into a shoot to the point where you're on (laughs) podcasts like it's 1999, fishing in the deepest end of this ocean Mm -hmm. and coming up with a with a rotted shoe of a movie, yes, with Monica Potter's name Kenny, above the title. Kenny, I don't right. know if you're aware of, of of this. I mean, I don't know what you mean. You say rotted shoe. I've been led to believe that this is the greatest romantic comedy of all time, and the, it's British. Yeah, that's a who said that again? I read yeah, that. Too. It was it was an actual pull quote on the box in Britain. Uh, I believe it was. God, which which uh, it was, publication it was, was it? It was, it was not nothing. The, it was like the it was Guardian. Not or some shit. It was something no, serious. Yeah. It, it was, was like, like the Daily Mail or the Guardian or it was some Daily Mail or Daily yeah. Star or something, something like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this someone who had to wake up and go back and to work the next day. Correct. Th- th- this is this is one of the, the 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 ones you guys may have missed because it is a different released year on IMDb because it came out initially. In the UK and then yes. later in the United States. So it comes yeah. out in the in the UK in '98. It comes out domestically in '99 under a different title. So internationally, this film is known as Martha Meet Frank Daniel and Lawrence, a great title. Um, and then here, in an equally vague title, "The Very Thought of You" is what it is known uh, stateside as. Uh, I, I I mean. <clears throat> Here's here's I have a question for you guys because uh, I watched Pulp Fiction the other night um, for AFI Club with my. It's friend. a good movie. <clears throat> yeah, it's a very good movie. That one's solid. Um, well, the reason I bring this up is because it feels like in the wake of Pulp Fiction, and I was talking about this with my friends, the fractured narrative became all the rage, right? The idea of sort of like looping back on storylines yeah. and playing with time a little bit um, in order to take what. And I'm not suggesting that <clears throat> that Pulp Fiction did this, but to take a straight line and breaking it up into pieces makes it not feel like as much of a straight line. Um, we're even seeing it now with like This Is Us and stuff like that, like withholding information depending on the way that you're telling the story. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, this movie does this for no particular reason. I mean, w- would you agree <laughs> that the fractured narrative on, on top uh. of on top of the uh, the, I don't know what you would call it, the sort of inciting incident to some degree or, or sort of the, 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 the structure of it, of our lead character, apropos of nothing, going to his neighbor to 
who he thinks is a psychiatrist or a therapist to tell him this story because you needed a framework with which to work from is also aggravating in its own right too. Uh, what do you guys feel about the narrative structure of this film? Kenny's despondent, right? Now. I, mean, I think it, I, I, yeah. yeah, go ahead, Clay. No, Kenny, please. I think it sucks. Go ahead, Clay. <laughs> <laughs> it, it undercuts yeah. absolutely anything the movie is trying to do. It, 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 it does very much feel, feel like they're trying to Pulp Fiction it and be like, yeah. oh, won't it blow the audience's minds if the, if the unseen character that we re- re- reference 15 minutes in turns out to be our main character and we didn't know it and it i hate that type of shit i rant about this all the time mostly in relation to westworld but i cannot stand <laughs> fair i cannot stand a story withheld in favor of a twist that you see coming anyway mm-hmm. it drives me fucking insane yeah. this and is my soapbox too yeah. dude I, i'm glad to hear it kenny yeah it's and yeah. this movie uh, is not romantic or funny or dramatic. This framing device, it, it does. It kneecaps every single other thing you see uh-huh. it thinking it is. Uh-huh. And you just watch it and you're like, when, what is going on? When is, why has the ostensible main character, uh, uh, Monica Potter, not been on screen for 25 minutes? Why has the other ostensible main character, uh, Joseph Fiennes, he also disappears for long stretches of time. Long Why are we supposed to care about the in in America anyway? They led us to believe this was some uh, you know Ben Affleck Sandra Bullock bounce action, and it was not at all. It's it's, it's, it's not about the two of them at all. It's about this group of three friends or yep. f- four friends, four friends who also have no chemistry and do not seem to care about each other at all. So no. why does the audience care about them? It is such a weird movie that fails on every single level. It's a lazy movie too. Like I, I think that we're we're all kind of saying the same thing, obviously. But so it should be said, Peter Morgan wrote this film. <clears throat> now, it has Mor- to be said that Peter Morgan wrote this film. Yes, this movie is proof positive that you can <laughs> fucking come back from anything. <laughs> you cannot die in this town. In yeah. this town, I'm talking about. London, but you can't die. It's, but it's, it's true. Crazy. I've never. We've seen. We've seen some like amazing writers yes. write on some fucking dogs. For instance, we just did Doug's first movie. Right. Kenneth Lonergan was a writer on Doug. Yep. Like you can come back from anything, but Doug is better than the thought of you. Doug yes. is definitely better than the thought. Of Doug's and first that, movie is 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 a bad movie. Oh, and this yeah. is a this is a much much worse film. This I agree. is also I think like much much worse film. Like Doug's Peter Morgan going from movie. this to the Crown, I would argue is perhaps a bigger leap than Kenneth Lonergan going from Doug to his well, career. Part well, of for, forget Doug, the Crown. Peter Morgan had Oscars ten yeah, years ago. That's true. That's true. Yeah. He had an Oscar less than ten years after this, right? He went, like he went for the ten, Crown, the Queen. The uh, queen. He went for the Queen. queen. So less than ten yeah. years. I think it is less than ten years after this, Correct. right? It was in like oh seven or something like that. Yep. Yeah, uh, less than ten years after this, he is winning an Oscar. And like you know, I always thought you know the craziest Oscar of all time mm. for you know me was you know even even crazier than the wild Ben Affleck and and Damon ones or even sure. you know the son of a mobster who wins for Green Book. Um, <laughs> Pretty the, crazy. Was uh was Akiva Goldsman because yeah. he wrote the worst, dumbest fucking movie I'd ever seen. And 
a few years later, he I'm, I'm not saying Beautiful Minds yeah. is one of the greatest movies ever won. He just won for it. I thought that was yeah. wild. And then but after I, that, he went back to, to making the dumbest fucking movies dumbest you've ever movies. seen. Yeah. Yeah. It's unbelievable that like I, that that Ron Howard even gave him that movie. But um, but this is even crazier. If I knew that the very thought of you existed, this is so utterly incompetent. Yep. Utterly incompetent. Yeah. That it's unbelievable that not only the Queen, I, I, I watched I watched The Crown last night. I think The Crown is the fucking greatest. Yeah, it's amazing. It's incredible. The greatest. I can't yeah. believe this is the same guy. I also feel like it, it really needs to be said. You, you, you said it best, you know, this movie's incompetent. But this movie's incompetent on every level. Like, on the casting, on the... I guess you could call it production design uh, on on the costumes, on the music. I mean, this thing is is truly a top to bottom failure. It's in a top so to bottom failure. It, 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 but I, and since no one's going to watch this, I feel like we really should. Yeah, I'll give a synopsis very quickly. Explain it as yeah. deeply and give a synopsis. But I I don't know if it's la- lazy. I think it is too clever by half. I think it is oh, tricking itself. That's out of being good. It is going so hard yeah. on. We're going to have this like fucking like revolutionary no one's ever done this kind of structure in a rom-com before and we're going to try and have it uh, full of this clever dialogue and it's going to be all these great they are disparately all good actors i love tom hollander i love rufus sewell joseph fines i don't have a lot of experience with i like and (laughs) monica potter is every she's doing everything she's supposed to be doing in this we're gonna gonna have to unpack that in a second Uh, but it, yeah. it, it is trying way too. I think it's not lazy. I think it is trying so hard that ne- it just spins itself out of control. I think that, I, I think there is validity to that. I think that the movie is definitely. Um, it does think that it's clever. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily know that it actually digs beneath the surface in anything. Like it's oh, it's no. just in, it's entirely well, just spinning plates. That's an it's an interesting. Um, this didn't happen so much in '99. We didn't see yeah. it that often, but we did see it a lot. Like you said, Phil, in the wake of Pulp Fiction yeah. in '95, '96, '97, right after Pulp Fiction happened, where people started to uh, replace character development and classic yeah. structure yeah. and uh, you know depth and dynamics and all the things we like in movies with flash and bang. Yep. Um, and I think that that happened here, except the flash and the bang uh, is not very flashy and not very bangy, right? So no. they, no like, flash I, I think like, you know, when I was a kid, it was the third movie we did, and I kind of want to revisit it. Uh, Go was like my favorite movie, but I was I also like, too. I was also like a baby, right? And and I think what we realized, Phil, when we went back to Go, is Go kind of falls into that category of the movies that like did its best Pulp Fiction impersonation yeah. without any without any kind of like anything beneath the surface. But at least the flash and the bang were exciting. And, oh yeah, right. I mean, and, Go I mean, is, hold on. Actually, to be fair, Go this, is Pulp Fiction in comparison to the very thought of you. Sure. Oh yeah. And the very thought of you does have. I mean, we it doesn't have, have any flash. It does have two bangs, and they are on the sides of Tom Hollander's head. <laughs> <laughs> they are they're sideburns incredible they're, they're, sideburns. Side they're side bangs crazy they are they are so big they are side bangs uh, that, his, what, his whole hair what is his character oh my god oh his it, character that, look character i was not an adult in 1999 adults were not dressing in this way in 1999 were they like no no, no he's no. got on like a fucking like velour like disco suit 
This is also uh, the, yeah. I, the, the first thing I wrote because we'll get into the synopsis in the, yeah, in the, yeah. the plot yeah. pretty soon. But yeah, basically, the he does some weird thing where he sees Monica Potter across a room and yep. is like immediately in love with her, which you know, okay, sure. And he gets every piece of information about her from the woman at the counter, right? Which is the woman insane. at the counter just just lays it all out. Yep. And I, yep. I my, my my all caps. Uh, curse word filled first note was what a creepy what a fucking creepy ass move with the plane yeah why did she tell him yeah. all that info about Monica Potter it's yeah. weird Harvey didn't clock this <laughs> uh, but we yeah. can't you know it's funny we just did B Monkey which is like uh, a Harvey sure. movie and this is a Harvey movie yep. um, and this is a movie that you know the person with the final say has never in his entire life courted a woman it's just yeah. that simple. He is a person who thinks like courting a woman is pointing out someone in a room, asking someone about that woman, what it, you know, what it takes to like get in that woman's, you know, bed. I don't even yeah. want to be too disgusting. And, yeah. uh, and, and, uh, does it because he, you know, threatens them into pulling them from the movie. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yes, this is a creepy ass fucking movie. It's a. Uh, it's not going to get a good grade for me. But let's get into. No, it. no, no. I'm well, just going to give. Yeah. yeah. Let me give a very brief synopsis because no one's seen this movie and nor should they. Uh, bored with her job at a Minneapolis car rental agency, restless Martha, played by Monica Potter, impetuously takes a trip to London. On her adventure, Martha encounters three Englishmen who coincidentally all know each other. There's music bigwig Daniel, played by Tom Hollander, card champion Lawrence, card champion. Literally, we don't even see him fucking play cards. Uh, and he teaches a card class. <laughs> at the very end of the movie. <laughs> Card champion Lawrence, played by Joseph Vines, and aspiring actor Frank, played by Rufus Sewell. All three men end up pursuing Martha, oblivious of each other, which, of course, results in an elaborate romantic entanglement. As we mentioned, the film's written by Peter Morgan, directed by Nick Ham. The Very Thought of You opened on August 27th, 1999, behind The Sixth Sense, 13th Warrior, and Runaway Bride. It would go on to make $3 million worldwide. The Very Thought of You has 33% on Rotten Tomatoes from critics and 60% from audiences. All right. Uh, I'm going to read two very quick uh, clips. The New York Times said, One of those coyly edited movies that fills in the mystifying gaps in its story by periodically doubling back to repeat a scene with new crucial information added. To maintain its fizz, a comedy like The Very Thought of You requires a spicy contemporary equivalent of Noel Coward banter. But if the story is a clever sitcom contraption, the dialogue is pedestrian. Among the contestants for Martha's Love, the only character with a distinctive personality is Hollander's vain, petulant Daniel, whose ego is in need of puncturing. As the shy, tongue-tied Lawrence, who needs lessons in self-aversion, finds lacks the debonair twinkle and comic timing of Hugh Grant, who might have made the, the role come alive. As for Miss Potter's Martha, the character is a fabrication that not even and Miss Roberts, with all her wiles, could have made believable. Variety said the lack of real chemistry between the leads and unsteady direction by Nick Ham dampen an otherwise promising screenplay by Peter Morgan. I sure. Um, I want to just. Uh, there's a couple of good lines in this movie. Just sure. in in a vacuum, there's a couple of good moments. Sure, not even moments, just lines. <laughs> Um, I, I think it's worth mentioning that Monica Potter beat out Nicole Kidman, Jennifer Aniston, and Courtney Cox for the lead role in this movie, which is sort of insane. I, <laughs> Kenny is looking wistfully at the horizon, uh, thinking about I what think it might have been. I mean, I th- I, it's interesting. N- yeah. Nicole Kidman would have been wild. I, I almost want to table that discussion for a second. Either sure. the Friends girls would have been, you know, 
Fine. one of the movies that they made yeah. and it just would have it would have disappeared in the ether like this did 100 um but i do feel like we have to talk about julia roberts yes because they brought it up in the review I, she yeah. looks so yeah. much like julia it roberts sounds like her too it sounds like yeah. her it's 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 such an and we you know we just did uh steel magnolias we got julia roberts on the brain mm-hmm. and you know she it's 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 an impersonation almost it's yeah. crazy it's yeah. like she's like it's like she's Nicola. It's like she's um. It's like she's a um, time store. Uh, uh, Julia Roberts. Yeah, I mean, I was gonna say it, it's like she's um Kim Basinger in, in fucking L.A. Confidential, cut to look like <laughs> who was it? Vera Lake or uh, uh, Veronica? Veronica Lake. Lake. Veronica yeah. Lake. Yeah, like that's that's what it felt like. They're like, oh, we can't get Julia Roberts. Let's build one. So, does this yeah, movie? Sure. Does this movie? How much better is this movie with Julia Roberts? A little. A little, uh, or not at all. I don't know. That character makes no sense and is given nothing. So I feel like even a great, I mean, look, I agree with that review. Had Joseph Fine's character been played by Hugh Grant, Hugh Grant that maybe could have been something. Yeah. Martha is such a manic, I mean, she's not even a manic pixie dream girl. She's like a passive pixie dream girl. She's just like wanders around and these men insinuate themselves upon her. There's and she, nothing she's, that makes she me has think nothing that to do. Would want, yeah, why would any of them want to be with her? I say that with all due respect to, to Monica Potter, but the character of Martha is so completely vacuous that yeah. it's just like these men are losing their minds over this person that I have no idea why. Oh, and vice versa. To to be well, fair, uh, there's. I mean, it's it's obvious why she has no interest in. Yeah. Uh, oh, what are their character names? In Tom Hollander or Daniel. Rufus Sewell, because they are yeah. both French. just completely oh, awful and unappealing with oh. no positive characteristics in any way, shape, or form. And then she falls in love with Joseph Fiennes, who is an absolute dud. And it's she's. She's got a sparkle in her eye. She's yeah. cute. I get to see her across the room and be sure. like, oh, Monica Potter. And I find her personally charming. And yeah, Kenny, you're right. I, I think she, she obviously looks like Julia Roberts. I think she maybe inherently has a Julia Robertsness to her, which I think is both why she almost had a career and then also why she then did, did not. Sure. But can I, because can I there also- wasn't room for more than one Julia Roberts and Julia Roberts is the better Julia Roberts. And Monica Potter found her lane later playing right. less flash less you know uh uh you know julia roberts but characters. i would i would also argue too you know we talked about con air on on our screen drafts episode yeah um she's not in that movie much and she pops so much more in right. con air than she does in this which is i think a symptom of this movie is abhorrently directed i yeah. mean it does no one any favors so i think she has something it's just not mind well i'll movie. say some shit say some shit that might, you know, might be problematic, but I'll say some shit because it's Hollywood. <laughs> you guys have read uh, William Goldman's Adventures in the Screen Trade or more sure. Adventures in the Screen Trade. I can't remember which one the, this anecdote is from. But he wrote Stepford Wives. And in Stepford Wives, I don't remember who the director was. It might have been Michael Davies. Uh, the oh, director crap. cast his wife as one of the Stepford Wives. And William Goldman's point was part of the reason why this failed is because his wife just didn't look like a Stepford wife. Wasn't viable as a Stepford wife. Right, right. Part of the, you know, conceit was that these women were basically, you know, created in a lab for men, for men's pleasure. Monica Potter's appeal Mm -hmm. is as the girl next door, as the underdog, as the girl that, you know, you, that, that, that you find long lasting happiness with after you 
you know, sow your wild oats or something like that. There's like, it's, it's, it was part of that, like that, that brain fuck that I felt when Amy Smart went from that character in Varsity Blues to the sex pot in Road Trip a year later. Like Amy Smart is the girl you go home to and... I also the, like Amy Smart a lot. I'm I'm learning some. Okay, okay, Kenny, this is a you're you are my Ray Winstone on the on this podcast. You're really <laughs> well. You're revealing my my type is apparently uh, uh, that. Well, the 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 type is like down to earth. You know, the type is like realistic. I don't mean like like realistic, like like your shot, like a real like a real person. Mm-hmm. And Monica Potter, like really, she she does read like a person you would. Yep. See at an airport or a person you would, you know, go out on a blind date with or a person like like those things. But she is not uh, she is not like, you know, Julia. She's not Julia Roberts in fucking Ocean's Eleven yeah. where like the world stops when she walks down the stairs. Yeah. And you either need that. And that's not just a that's not just a function of her you know, physical attractiveness. That's an aura. Mm-hmm. Right. That's not just a function of what she looks like. It's like, you know. You need that yep. thing for me to, to believe that these guys would drop everything and uh, you know pursue her. But even more, or, so, or uh, we need to spend enough time with the character that we understand why people fall in love with her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's that's furthermore right. So there's there's two aspects to this. One is the love at first sight, they all fall yep. in love with her right away. And the other one is why they stick around. And neither of those things, you know, compute in this film. Correct. Um, yes, I, it's not, to me, it's an and, right? It's not an or, it's an and. You absolutely do also need to understand why the movie that did it perfectly, perfectly, was something about Mary. Oh, sure, so sure, sure. Mary, like, yeah. Cameron Diaz is like a goddess and also like the fucking best. Yeah, the right. Coolest, also, like, uh, yeah. you get why like all of these guys are losing their minds over it, and then on top of that, it's funny, and on top of that, it, like the whole thing just just works, right? Like, um, now I that movie, I've thought a lot about that that movie recently because I feel like that one might be a little problematic these days, but um, I would say so. A little bit. I would think you so. Know, yeah. When yep. we were talking to Lola about mm-hmm. say anything, I'm like, say anything's not the one. Something about Mary, where he. Yeah. Is Probably. it is it because Brett Favre is in it? Favre, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brett Favre. Uh, yeah, he's been canceled. I hope. Um, has anyone he been? Ra- well, he, he's just well, no, he, he he's been canceled, but he accepted some invitation. He like went to the White House and hung out with Trump or something like that. He, dude, that makes he, sense. he was canceled full, in my in my full throatedly endorsed him. Yeah, along yeah. with Jay Cutler and Jack Nicholas. Don't think I don't have a list. I got a list. <laughs> so uh, Kelsey Grammer too, apparently, which I didn't know. Kelsey Grammer, yeah. I mean, anyway. Kelsey Grammer's a weird, a weird person. He's a weird guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I so I I think did we talk about the plot? Not we will, we will. But oh. I, I want to just I, I just want to quickly. This podcast uh, is far from over. I want to I want to hit just a couple quick things. I think yeah. absolutely what you're saying about um about the Monica Potter manic pixie dream girl thing. But I, I, I want to circle back to the Nicole Kidman thing that we kind of put a pin in for a second. Because I think the Nicole Kidman thing is also wrong in different ways, right? Like, if Nicole Kidman is plopped in this movie, I'd understand the holy shit, who's that, right? Because at that time, and quite frankly, still, she has what you're talking about, Kenny, which is this sort of the, the aura of a, you know, a, a 
larger than life kind of person, right? Like something that that you would unquestionably notice. Now, I don't think that she she's, she's Aquaman's mom. She's she created she's, Aquaman. She's, she's Satine, but yeah, she's there's something about her. Um, I don't necessarily know that this role is written well enough for Nicole Kidman. Obviously, it's not. Like there's just there's just no depth. Can you there. imagine this and Eyes Wide Shut? Oh my Same God. year. That's that's Nicole Kidman's 1999. How crazy! <laughs> I mean, but that's so. My point here is that I think that this thing was this thing was DOA, no matter who's in it, really. But it makes sense that Monica Potter beats out these people because I think it's not right for Nicole Kidman. Jennifer Aniston and Courtney Cox are like you said, Kenny. They're like they're TV actors at the time. And I guess they thought they had lightning in a bottle with Monica Potter, that they thought, like, we found the new girl. I mean, go, you know, I love back, both yeah. of them, but... Yeah. It no, goes I, back I to the screenplay. I love... Yeah, it goes back to the screenplay. It goes back to the screenplay, but their idea, I, unless they changed it to fit Monica Potter, the idea of a, uh, you know, broke uh, rental car employee from Minneapolis... Going to England and then having her, I, I mean, I guess it is supposed to be sort of this fantasy of I've never been out so. of the country. I fly to London. Suddenly three British guys are all in love with me. The, the uh, worst three British guys. The worst three. But that as an Anglophobe. But I think I feel like part of it is supposed to be that this doesn't make sense in a fantastical sort of way. It isn't. She's not supposed to be. Uh, Julia Roberts strutting off of the plane and everybody's hearts stop. I think it's supposed to be what is this uh, uh, ineffable uh, magneticism about this Midwestern mm-hmm. random mi- mi- Midwestern girl who shows up in 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 London. But I don't. But then it just doesn't. It's inert dramatically this, because it doesn't make sense. You know, as 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 you guys were talking, something kind of occurred to me. Doesn't this movie feel like it could have been a storyline from Love Actually? Oh, like sure. That, that it, that it feels was. like, you know, it kind of, kind of was maybe, right? Kind of I in, mean, in reverse where the, the British guy goes guy, to Wisconsin. Yeah. Goes yeah. to Wisconsin. Yeah. It, it, so it, in that way, it and I say that I'm not a Love Actually fan because a lot of Love Actually has just a bunch of like dot, dot, dots on storylines that just don't resolve themselves because they're just like, whatever, I saw Magnolia. Mm-hmm. So it just kind of feels like it just doesn't really go anywhere. And this movie feels that way too, where it's just sort of like, this is a thing, if it was in a, a bigger movie, it's a storyline that I wouldn't have thought that much about and it would have been fine. But for it to be the entire film unto itself, it just has to go deeper. It has well, to be I- better. I think the love actually, you know, illusion uh, yeah. is fair. Um, I think the reason love actually works really well, and it's a great movie, is because um, it kind of knows what matters and what doesn't. So sure. Sure. the Wisconsin storyline is played as absurd fantasy. Correct. And there's a little kernel of something there <clears throat> mm-hmm. that I think is really um, true, which is American women like European accents. And that's the joke. That is the joke. You put these in, this incredibly weird-looking dude and Shannon Elizabeth uh, falls head over heels for him. The reverse... I, the, the, the character Monica Potter is given. And uh, Clay, I think you were, you, know, you, were, you were pitching something that would make this movie better. It's not even just giving her uh, a depth of character that we would have been attracted to, but some char- some some specific character traits. Yes, 
that we don't see or that the Brits don't see very often. Yes. Right? Where she mm-hmm. shows up, like, if she showed up and she was a cowgirl from Oklahoma. And she's not exotic. Is your point no, that. right. Yeah. I'm saying she was a cowgirl from Oklahoma. Then at least I'm starting to say, oh, that's like something they maybe not have only never have seen, but maybe they've seen someone like that 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 in the movies. Maybe yeah. they have a Sharon Stone for Quick and the Dead thing going on, and you're just like, oh, this is new, or or just things Americans have. So like a surfer chick, or like a skater chick, or like a like all these like like it's I, I always like feel a little insecure as an American, particularly a white American. Because uh, I am sensitive and kind of buy into the idea that our culture is lacking, that our culture is in a lot of ways taken from white Europeans and black Americans and other, you know, people in America. But Americans haven't created that much. But if you dig a little deeper, we have our own subcultures that are our own, right? Like surf culture, particularly California surf culture is our own. Pioneer culture is our own. You know, this stuff is stuff that we can export and other people will find exotic and attractive. But what she brings to it, and uh, Clay, you could speak to this as a Minnesotan. There's got to be something about Minnesota that is uniquely Minnesota that yeah. that money I agree they should have made Monica Potter a pioneer surfer and she this movie was <laughs> Minnesota this movie was sung look she's very good casting for a Minnesotan because she's just sort of pleasant and I listen, otherwise I listen to, doesn't really stand out in any way hours of the Minnesota screen draft which I love by the way uh, that's that's that is the brand of screen draft that's really for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Minnesota sounds cool. <laughs> yeah. Minnesota right, is is cool and interesting. But again, I think that that was this is the screenplay has a lot of like, wouldn't it be different if? And then that's all the further the idea went. And he forgot that for an audience to care about characters, they have to make sense. And there has to be some sort of, you know, connection that the audience makes. I mean, our two, goodness, our two uh, romantic leads who on the American poster are the only two people. We forget Tom Hollander and Rufus Sewell uh, uh, on the American poster. If you went to see this movie because you loved Shakespeare in Love, the first 40 minutes is fucking Tom Hollander with an insane haircut acting like the world's biggest douchebag. Like what, what a bait and switch, but we, the two leads don't meet until 40 minutes into the movie. I want to, I, I, he looked, he reminded me of a British, um, of a British David Spade, which is, you know, which is essentially the, the, the biggest insult I can give somebody two things. I despise the Brits and David Spade. And um, and Rufus Sewell reminded me of like Michael Shannon as his murderiest. Correct. So these are like these are two of the least attractive characters I could possibly remember. I, um, I, I want versus to talk like about- Shakespeare. <laughs> I, I want to talk about something very quickly because it, it did sort of occur to me as when we were talking a little bit about Love Actually a few minutes ago because in 99, we we have arguably one of the greatest romantic comedies ever made in Notting Hill. Mm-hmm. Julie Roberts, Hugh Grant. Um, 
these two movies are on on the face of it. Obviously, these are very different films, but these two movies on the face of it are not film. that dissimilar. And yet, one of them ex- just absolutely exceeds and and sort of gets outside itself in terms of genre. Part of it is the fact that Richard Curtis, I think we can all agree, is very good at this, right? Like he understands how, how to write a great British romantic comedy that travels, that that works in North America as well as works in Britain. This movie is just all of those things badly done. Like, I don't think that Peter Morgan, if we're being honest, cares about the romantic comedy, right? Like, it it felt like it's, quote-unquote, beneath him. And quite frankly, his career has shown that, right? Like, he's gone in completely different directions and he has exceeded uh, and excelled in that way. Notting Hill is everything this film wishes it was. Um, so I, I do wonder whether or not on some level, and by the way, so this movie comes out in August <laughs> and Notting Hill comes out in July. So like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, or May, I think actually, sorry, it came out, it came out the same weekend as, uh, as Star Wars. But like, I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. You can't follow that up. You can't put no. another fucking romantic comedy. People are seeing Notting Hill for the third time instead of instead of this fucking thing. No. Like it's just it's it's not even. It never had a chance. This thing was just. I mean, I'm sure it was just dumped. I mean, it barely registered. Um, but I want to talk for a quick second here about Joseph Fiennes because you said it. Shakespeare in Love comes out in '98. Comes out in the uh, I guess you know Oscar season '98. Yeah. Obviously, it wins. Um, how did Joseph Fiennes not really have a career? Maybe like, he how can only do nothing? the one thing. Maybe he could. I've. It's crazy. What else have I seen him in? I mean, I. Have seen this. Tale? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, yeah, maybe yeah. some like recent yeah. stuff. But Handmaid's it's like Tale. maybe I, I. I don't know. I, I haven't so seen it, enough of his stuff to to comment but in 98, on. Ninety-eight. He's got Shakespeare in Love and Elizabeth. Right. So he's in both of those films. He's in the Best Picture winner, another Best Picture nominee, and. No it's career? So, it's so weird. It always kind of felt like I'm not even convinced he wants to work. Right. Because right, right, right. like he's what's wrong with him? Yeah. Like like what like I, yeah. I think I, it's not even that he's great or good or whatever, but he's like good looking and British and has yeah. a great last name and you know yeah. like he he just he matters. He he mad when 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 like he was a nobody. When when Shakespeare Love came yeah. out, 
Yep. And the only reason anybody gave him the time of day was because he was his brother's brother. Correct. So uh, I, I do. Yeah, it was weird. And then he was in that show. Remember that show that came out? Fast Forward. Oh, that's right. Flash Forward. One of the yeah. one, Flash, Flash Forward. forward yeah. One of the <laughs> Lost. Like it was like kind of the first. Like now we're going to yep. try to make a bunch of Lost shows, and he was yep. the star of that. Yep. That seemed weird to me at the time, but yep. it also was like proof positive that. No, Joseph Hyde does want to work. Um, and remember when he almost yeah. played Michael Jackson? Correct. Oh, man, that yeah. would have been... That is like the biggest dodge, dodged bullet <laughs> lost project of all time. Uh, or didn't that get made and it never came out or something? Was, it may, it may he have was playing made. Michael Jackson and Bubbles was there and someone was Elizabeth Taylor and it was about like a cross-country road trip after 9-11. He also <laughs> was the lead in uh, the Ryan Murphy trans project that came that they shot a pilot for FX where he played a man... Uh, who goes through uh, sex reassignment surgery or whatever, however the best way to describe that is, you got uh, it. called Seven Ounces or something like oh, that. Oh, no, it's, it's, the- it's, uh, it's, a, it's a gender affirmation surgery. My apologies. Um, and it was originally, it was titled after the weight, the, the, the average weight of male genitalia, but then they changed it to like pretty something. Anyway, long story short, it never, it never saw maybe the Maybe he's day. just weird. But, if, if he was down to play Michael Jackson in something, maybe he's just... A Maybe little bit just, kooky. Yeah. But also, I mean, Kenny hit, hit a good point. I was watching Backdraft last night. Uh, Billy movie. Baldwin. Yeah, yeah. Another guy gets yeah. a career because of his brother. He's not a bad actor. He's in a couple yeah. of big hit movies, and then yep. he disappears. You know, uh, yeah. it's, it's Why are we also, watching watch, also on Parenthood. Yeah, also, exactly. Also, Are you doing a fire draft? Are you doing a fire draft? No, I was just watching it. I was, I was just... <laughs> Well, you good movie. No, I, 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 I just watch movies. I no, well, very rarely. I, I um, say, I mean, I don't know how you're talking. I, I like to catch up on '90s studio movies uh, w- before I go to bed. So I watch like a half a movie, and then at the next night, I'll, I'll, I'll finish it. But I, I like was, uh, they, they, they're, they're an easy thing to watch when you're tired. It's like cut and dry, big glossy studio stuff, and I'd never seen. Uh, backdraft. Even though I love going to U- Universal Studios Hollywood, and they still they still talk about backdraft in that place. 25, 28 years later. Have and, you gotten uh, to yeah. the De Niro um, Donald Sutherland scenes? Oh, I I finished uh, Donald so Su- Donald Su- Sutherland as um, Fire <laughs> Hannibal Lecter. Uh, yeah, I absolutely have. It's terrific. <laughs> backdraft was uh, it, a backdraft was a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, a movie. yeah, it's, it's the same year as the same year as Silence of the Lambs. So I, I they must have they must have read the book and been like, what if we take Hannibal Lecter or you know they saw fucking like Manhunter and they're like, yeah. what if we take Hannibal Lecter and make him a pyromaniac? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they're like, ah, oh, fuck, they're doing a real Hannibal Lecter movie this year too. Damn, I want to watch it. That sounds good. Sutherland's yeah. good. I, I Sutherland's very good. I saw yeah. that a long time ago, 20, 25 years ago. But that's I think you would really like Backdraft, Kenny. It's Jennifer Jason like, Lee's in this flick. Rebecca DeMore is in this flick. Wait, wait, yeah. Clay, Clay, can we do a fire draft? Uh, are there enough? <laughs> Firestorm. <laughs> There's like. L- like ladder forty nine, yeah. Are there, Firestorm. Are there any good fire movies? Yeah, the, here's the thing. Everybody, I like the drafts where you have to play some bad movies, but everybody is always like, are there enough good movies? But no, uh, Rick DeMornay. This is how nineties this movie is. Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell uh, dies in the opening scene, and you're like, wait, I thought Kurt Russell was the star of this movie. Flash forward 25 years, Kurt Russell playing his own son. <laughs> yes. yes. Oh, that's so good. That's it's how really, good Backdraft really is. Yeah. 
it's any really, case, Scott like Glenn. That. I mean, like it's got a really yeah, solid, oh. solid cast. Oh, he's hanging out with all the Hannibals. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yes, yes, yeah. it's very good. Um, um, so anyway, yeah, anyway so Billy Baldwin. Right, so what happens in the same guy though. identical? Okay, yeah. So basically, long story short, I, I mean, there's really not a ton of plot. It just it's told in a What's way this that movie it's about. Clever. Basically, uh, Martha is working a dead end job at this Minneapolis car rental agency. She quits, cashes her final paycheck, uses it to purchase an airline ticket to the least expensive international destination she can, she can find, London, which is horseshit. None there's of which no we way. get to see. Yeah, none of yeah, it you get to yeah. see. And also, like London's not the cheapest ticket. So Absolutely, stop not. it. I mean, that's insane. Yeah, but I mean, um, international fucking take a train to Ontario. Exactly. Uh, so it's exactly. <laughs> go to Sask- go to Saskatoon. So she meets this guy <laughs> Daniel, who's this successful music label executive, who basically arranges for her to get a first class ticket so he can sit next to her, which is a total fucking creep show thing to do, as Kenny mentioned earlier. But then she susses out that he's done this, which I have no idea how or why she would know that he did this, but she does, and she decides to sell her first class ticket to be back in coach. And then he switches seats again. Like this is this is like straight up stalking at this point. Throughout this movie, this well, see, this is the thing. <laughs> this is the thing. At this point, that is is that supposed? The movie acts like this is supposed to be cute, cute Charming. because he's this is this rich guy who's used to these luxuries. His yeah. scheme didn't pan out. Yeah. Uh, so he's gonna go sit amongst you know the fucking herd of of disgusting Thanks. people yeah, in yeah, yeah. in in coach. Yep. This, and this is the problem through the entire movie. Look, if the inciting incident of this movie of like Joseph Fiennes and Monica Potter, the normal attractive people getting together, if the thing that kicked this off was his creepy weirdo cartoon character friend had a crush on her, if this is five, five minutes of the movie, yeah. okay, maybe that's yeah. funny. Maybe that's the whole different. movie. No, it's the first. They they give. These go nowhere, goofy comedy, uh, uh, like attraction sequences with the two people who are deeply, deeply, desperately unappealing. Yep. Thirty minutes each. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's crazy. It's and crazy. the audience never believes for a second that they are a romantic rival or that yeah. that one of them may woo her away. Never for a second. And you're so just watching this, and it just feels sad and weird and yeah. uncomfortable. Yeah. And it gives us no time at the end of the movie to care about the couple we're supposed to care about. It's, it's also, it's insane. it puts, it puts it. And Kenny and I have, have <clears throat> talked about this on other, on other episodes too. It puts so much weight on the script, right? Like it makes it so that you are, it is all on these two actors and the direction and everything. Like it all has to sing perfectly for you to be able to have essentially a two hander for the whole movie, but different two handers. Yeah. That's that. That is you. You. You hit on my number one biggest problem with this movie, and why this movie means absolutely nothing to me. <laughs> it this this movie this movie has nothing going on except for this romantic plot, yep. right? So even a movie like Notting Hill, which is like you know swoon worthy romantic, also has the the story of Julie Roberts' career happening behind it, right? right. The story of Hugh, Hugh Grant's friends and his bookstore. There's there there are things happening in this world that makes me feel like there's a you know there there, there there's dimensionality to what's happening. Yeah. So right. that being said, you don't need to have that. 
The fucking sunrises, the, the before series don't have it. Yep, yep. But they have incredible dialogue that has something to say about love and loss and the passage of time. This movie has nothing to say. Yep. So if it has nothing to say except for the most unbelievably wrote things about love and timing and attraction, it also doesn't have any plot carrying us through that makes us worried about these characters, concerned. I mean, yep, yep. simple things like you make yeah. Monica Potter, you know, with all uh, – in poverty. She is an impoverished person. That who, is – when she says – I wrote this down, Kevin. There, she's trading how bad her her her, her life, life is, is yeah. uh, scars with Rufus yes. Sewell. Yes, uh, and she says she lives in a housing project and makes a dollar eight a dollar eighty an hour, which she she I must work in the chilies that no one comes into. I guarantee you, the minimum wage in Minnesota in 1999 was was more than a dollar eighty an also, hour. She had the money to get on a fucking plane. Yeah, like she pulled together ninety nine dollars. She like, and like I, I just. She also calls uh, the Metrodome the Viking Stadium. So that, <laughs> I just that strange credulity as well. My, the Viking Stadium. I know. She, she, I, didn't she call the Mall of America the U.S. Mall at some point? She it's calls it like, the Mall of America and. Credit where credit is due. <laughs> when they're talking about cute neighborhoods, and she's like, the place I like to go, she mentions Linden Hills, which is a real, she calls it the Linden Hills, which is not what it is called. It's called <laughs> Linden Hills, but that is a cute Minneapolis. But again, someone living in a housing project who's making $1.80 an hour and looks like Julia Roberts um, wouldn't, I don't know. I don't know. This doesn't track. Linden Hills, if you want to know what it looks like, a lot of uh, Jingle All the Way was shot there. Oh. <laughs> Oh, Kenny great. Jingle all the way. Yeah. Uh, I hate Jingle all the way. But uh, I've seen it so many times. Um, so my, my point was, like, yeah. everything you said, true, utterly absurd, uh, also built-in conflict. Like, there's a built-in issue. This girl has no money. She, Correct. Not for Correct. a moment do we feel that. Nope. But, like, she goes to London. I, like, like, that backstory is crazy. Yeah. But also... There, it does beg certain things like, uh, where are you going to sleep? How are you going to eat? Like, are you going there just to find random men to sleep on their couch? Like, if you are, okay, now let's see what happens. I mean, that's sort of what happens, but they don't ever. It's like she's just no. dr- like dr- like drunk in the park, yeah, yeah, and yeah. then she goes and stays no. with him. But she also just made two thousand dollars off of that uh, that. Airplane tickets. Yeah, but then she pisses it away on the fucking same bullshit at the end in order to get the right. first class ticket for Joseph Fiennes. Wait, in the the craziest scene of the whole movie, and, and the scene where you know I'll buy anything, but I won't buy this. She drinks out of Rufus Sewell's flask. Yeah, you are disgusting. <laughs> like for all she knows, this guy so is gross. a. This guy is a petri dish of STDs. It, 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 he probably is, mm-hmm. but she drinks out of his flask. It's so gross. Ew! Ew! <laughs> That's it. I mean, her scenes with <sighs> Rufus Sewell, who, by the way, from what I read online, apparently improvised a lot of his dialogue. Oh, yes. I mean, <laughs> great. Uh, he's playing 
a sociopath? I mean, he's really <laughs> crazy. He screams yeah. at her. He laughs no, maniacally. I mean, there's nothing about him that's even remotely interesting. Uh, you know, Lawrence is, of the three options, certainly the, the, the most grounded or certainly the most, I guess, believable that she'd end up with him. But... You said because best- he's not aggressively awful, right? Uh, it's like the best- three the three ice cream flavors are like the three ice cream flavors are like vanilla and then like one with like ch- like shards of of glass in it. Yeah, yeah like rusty then- nails. <laughs> yeah, then right, yeah, yeah. The, the other one is just sick. one of the flavors so is a, yeah. is a stranger's flask. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote down in my notes that Joseph Fiennes has big Ross energy. He does. Where he's apparently he just attractive because he is uh, awkward Air. and shy and doesn't know what to say, yep. which yep. I really think Friends sold the world a bill of goods uh, in making it seem like those character traits were attractive to people. I could not agree with you more. Uh, and it's it's interesting, too, how you said it best, Kenny, earlier that, that their occupations, their professions in no way actually infiltrate the plot of this movie in any way. Kenny wanted there to be a card tournament. The big card tournament I mean, by the I, way, happening you know, at the end of the movie that he has to like prepare for and train yeah. for. I but, I needed there to be a card tournament. I agree. Actually, like I needed there. It's yeah. it, it's just it's little things like the idea that these people have lives. Like I, I appreciated that he sat in the bridge class with the old women. But <laughs> yes, a card tournament. Give it. Give me the card tournament. Well, it's funny, Kenny, because like you know, as as you were talking about how she's you know how she's got no money, it made me think about a much much better movie, a movie that we talked about a few weeks ago, Girl on the Bridge. And if you got some sort of a situation where she's his good luck charm and they make all this money together or whatever it is, like listen, it's it's kind of hacky, it's not a great idea, but at least it fits into kind of it gives us some stakes, it gives us some plot, something to hold on to that because. I would actually argue too that all the actors just feel like they're at sea. Like they have nothing to hold on to because the script is kind of shit. And, and there's just, so you feel that as an audience member where they're just like, they're all kind of going through the motions. They're like, okay, I hit my mark. I said my line, but like, there's nothing here. It's got no pulse. I want to ask guys a question, please. The premise of this movie Mm -hmm. is three men, three friends are all in love with the same woman. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, I, I, I feel like I have to note. I, uh, I, my son, Rollins, you know, sat down to watch it with me. I figured there was nothing bad there. There wasn't. And he said, what's the movie about? And I told him, three men, three friends in love with the same woman. He's nine. He shook his head and he goes, sounds like my life. <laughs> <laughs> Which is great. It's a better line than anything in this movie. <laughs> but, 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 but I only bring it up because I do wonder if there is something, some universality mm-hmm. to this premise that may birth, that may have birth a more interesting movie. I can't think of a movie that has this premise that's good aside from it's something not. about Mary. It's, but, it, yeah. yeah, and it's not good. Because and this okay, so this brings me back to the the title change. The British the British poster actually has the premise in the title and the poster. Correct. It is Martha meet whatever it is Daniel Frank and Lawrence Frank Frank Daniel and Lawrence or whatever it is, and that that is a much more honest title. It is Martha 
But yeah, it's honest. So, you know, uh, 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 Martha, prepare to endure these three. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's so much more honest. This one, if it was about three friends who are thrown into conflict because they are all in love with the same woman, that's a story. That's not what this is. Because at most, for most of it, one of the people doesn't realize what's going on or it's a trick we can't know this so this is this is the i'm just going to get the rest of the plot out uh oh. uh fucking uh what's his face tom right. hollander who again i love in all other circumstances yes uh is uh, creeps on this girl he meets up with his friends he's like oh my god this girl oh, came love. to london i'm in yeah. love with her i blah 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 i sent her flowers to to her room there was a guy there oh no she already right. forgot about me how do i get her back the friends are like they already hate him these three never like each other you yeah. don't care you don't want the friendship to last no part of this do you get in, invested in at all um then uh they lose track of her Rufus Sewell is a drunk, sad actor, goes to an audition, blows it. Doesn't, there doesn't seem to be a reason except for that it's he just needs to be as sad as possible. He goes to the park, uh, runs into Monica Potter. They spend the afternoon together. He calls Joseph Fiennes, is like, ah, I've got Tom Hollander's uh, American. Seemingly being like, I'm going to try and sleep with her out of spite. I don't know what the fuck he's, uh, that, all of that is so gross. Yeah, that was weird. He but he's not, him up. But he's he's like, not I a, got her, she's mine. He's also not like presented as a villain, which no. clearly he is a villain and he could have been a villain and maybe it would be nice to have a villain in this movie. But yeah, all right, maybe. Uh, and then it, all of this roundabout thing, like I said, 45 minutes later, finally Monica Potter and Joseph Fiennes get together. But then we find out that this mystery man that she had seen way at the beginning of the movie was Joseph Fiennes. We do a flashback. They have their fucking neat, cute thing, which is not cute at all it's just kind of weird and convenient uh and then that's that's that, that that that's that's the movie but that so there's two halves of this i also want to say didn't rufus sewell at some point describe or i think it was him his perfect person as me with breasts yes Hmm. okay yeah that's not i mean did you have a question or <laughs> i had a point <laughs> Anybody who thinks that is not my friend. I think in the 90s, there was uh, stuff like that was pitched as like refreshingly honest, charmingly sort of brutish in a in a a unvarnished way. Uh, But it's just kind of like, oh, this guy's just a major, a major creep in the 90s. And you guys, I'm sure, have seen this a million times and going through 99 too many times. The asshole, the gross asshole who is presented as charming yep. in some way was very prevalent uh, at that time. And Rufus Sewell is one of those. So anyway, we waste our time with Hollander and Sewell, who are cartoon gross people. Joseph Fiennes has nothing going on. He's a total drip. They fall in love. We're supposed to care. We never care. Uh, and we never <laughs> care about the friendship. In the original pitch and the title and all of this, it is, is this lifelong, they show us these fucking pictures of them as little kids, arm in arm. The end credits are fucking, like, uh, it's like a, like a montage of their great, incredible friendship that's lasted their entire life. You watch this in the end credits and you're like, what the fuck? They don't wait, even did, seem wait. like they're, they really seem like three desperate people. Like, there's no connection between It's them. crazy pill stuff. You get to the end credits and you're like, Wait, did this movie think we cared about these three guys and their friendship? This is yep. madness. Yep. 
Yeah, it's 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 funny you bring that up because I do think that you know another one of the failings of this film is if we were invested in the in the male friendship that existed, like let's just say, for instance, we did, it actually would create stakes in and of itself too, right? Sure. Which is that you'd feel like, well, they all love this woman, but they love each other and and there really is this push and pull. But because that doesn't exist either, there's just no tension in right. any way throughout the film. And because of the twist. We find out at the end of the movie that Joseph Fiennes has known what is going on the entire Higher time movie. So at every point where they're talking about this girl, uh, oh, I, I, I'm in love with her. I lost her. The mystery man. He, uh, Rufus Hill calls him and is like, I found her. And he's like, don't do anything. All of this time, we find out at the end of the movie, Joseph Fiennes has this entire other level of emotional context because mm-hmm. uh, he's in love with her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're not allowed to know that until an hour and 15 minutes into the fucking movie. So Which his is an character, hour and 25 minutes. Did you did you track it? it yeah. Oh, of the yes, that's yeah, the length yeah. of the movie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, so, and again, this goes back to the Westworld problem. Yep. <laughs> All of the characters walk around inert, doing nothing because if they do anything, it reveals who they really are, and then that that's the twist. So there's no story. It's just people walking around for a season. <laughs> that is this movie. It's just people him walking around, dead eyed and sad, and then at the end of the movie, we find out why. We're like. Just tell us from the beginning. Have all three of them know that all three of them are in love with her. That then that's yeah. a that's a setup for things to happen. The reason I, I love good twists so much is because they're really hard to pull off. Sure. Because and, and so many people don't understand how a twist works. And what they do, Clay, is what you're talking about. They forget that this is a story that you're telling yeah. to people. And you would never, t- if, if the story on the screen happens in a way that you would never tell people in real life, unless you were a total fucking asshole, then I'm not interested. The one that- it is, it's, like, it's, like, it's like you're like uh, your grandma, your mom, remembering a key detail at the end of the story. Be like, oh, by the way. By the way. She was I wearing know. a red dress the entire time. And then you're like, oh, well now it makes sense. Thank you. <laughs> It's, you know, the one that will always, like, stick in my head is um, is Crazy Stupid Love, which for some reason people think is good. But I think that's stupid wearing love, off. I, I think people thinking Crazy Stupid Love is good is, is fading. It's the craziest and it's the stupidest. Crazy. It's but so the bad. idea that this whole movie, they have to refer to their fucking daughter as Nana... Because it's Hannah Banana, because we can't know that the girl is his daughter. Come the fuck on. Like that is that is so sweaty in like and 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 it does fool some people, but he did it in the he did it in the this is us pilot too. I was gonna say it's the same shit. We are tricked into thinking that this is all happening on the same timeline when you would never ever ever tell the story that way unless you were an asshole who doesn't actually like twists. You know, you have to, like, who doesn't actually like, like, telling good stories. Because anything can have the twist if you leave out a big fucking I was just going to say, withholding is not clever. No, withholding withholding is not clever. Details is not clever. But here's, look, 99, which you guys have already, I'm sure, talked about, Mm -hmm. has one of the great twist movies ever. We got the Got two of them. Oh, uh, what's the other one? I mean, I guess Fight Club could consider Oh, Fight Club, yes, 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 yes. yes. Okay, both of those are great twists because the twist is a sort of secondary 
thing, well, Fight Club, it's pretty intrinsic, but there's enough interesting, weird shit happening in Fight Club. The story of a Fight Club turning into like a underground, like revolutionary yeah. terrorist group, that's a story. Yes. Then the split personality thing at the end makes all of it a little bit more interesting. Sixth Sense, a kid who can see dead people mm-hmm. is a story. And then finding out the secondary character was dead the whole time mm-hmm. adds depth to the whole thing. But like it, it's like if the Sixth Sense was just this kid went about his life for two hours. And then at the end of the movie, it was like, oh, he can see dead people. Half of these people that he interacted with were dead. And you're like, okay. oh, oh. Well, okay. it would, well, it's a POV thing, right? So, yeah. like, there's like there's a way to do what you just talked about, Clay. If I am, which is what I am, I'm Bruce Willis in that movie. The twist isn't that he can see dead people. The twist is that Bruce Willis is dead, exactly. right? But I only know what Bruce Willis knows. I only I am experiencing the story with Bruce Willis, and when he finds out that he's dead, I find out he's dead, and I am with him emotionally. Uh, when he right. figures it out, same with uh, same but there's with been Fight an Club. interesting, worthy story, totally. even, with, even without the twist. If the story was about a little kid who can see dead people and a psychiatrist trying to help him deal with that trauma, that is a worthy psychological horror movie without the twist. All great twists have to work on, on their merits, but the reason yeah. they, they work on their merits is because you're with the character the whole right. way. Right. And the reason Fight Club works is because you're with the character the whole way. And then the, the, the added layer also, you know, kind of explains a lot of what, you know, what we see and puts it in a different light. A movie like Crazy Stupid Love, if you're with Ryan Gosling, the entire movie, the entire movie, and you never go into the Julianne Moore, Steve Carell house, then you could start to then, – then there is something there. But because I'm in this house – and these characters are well fucking aware that <laughs> Nana is their daughter and that anybody else would be calling their daughter at some point by their daughter's name or have a picture of their daughter or include their daughter in, their family, in some way. It is just a joke on me. The only person right. who has survived, who is sur- surprised by what's happening at the end is me. And, and through the a- whole movie, the characters cannot say or do anything meaningful because it would give away the twist that they want yeah. to blow everybody's minds with at the end of the movie. Yeah. The end of, I remember seeing Crazy Stupid Love in the theater, and I remember people, like, there were audible holy shits. Like, I remember people just feeling like their minds were fucking blown. And I just remember thinking, like, what? <sighs> like, why did this happen? Why did we, by the way, like, why did we even need that? Like, it doesn't, it actually doesn't make the movie any better in terms of, like, Anyway, it doesn't matter. Anyway, it, it, it actually, it actually, like, what kills me about it, yeah, is it's the fucking Hitchcock suspense versus surprise. I can't right. tell you how many times I'm in a writer's mm-hmm. room where people prioritize surprise over suspense, yep. and you just start to be like, guys, think about ninety five percent of the movies you like. It's the suspense. Think about the open of Inglorious Bastards. It's the suspense that fucking yep. kills you. Occasionally, surprise is great. Occasionally, it works. But yep. like, don't like un- don't underestimate the power of knowing more than the characters. Know. What I would also say, yeah. you know, we're we're about to talk about a movie that does suspense quite well, I think, for the majority of, of, of the film. Um, we'll talk about that, but in terms of suspense versus surprise in that film, I think... It's an it's, interesting thing, yeah. It's an interesting it, thing we'll talk about, but... Um, 
let's just fucking rate this so we can move on with our lives. Um, <laughs> I, I just because well, on some level it's like you know I, we've covered the plot, we've covered everything that happens in it, and and well, and we didn't even mention we talked about Ray Winstone a little bit, but this also yeah. has a very nineteen ninety nine framing device of the lead character uh, spilling their us. guts to uh, a therapist who then look, that's the only twist that the movie needed was the end. Yeah. <laughs> when it turned out that Ray Woodstone wasn't the psychiatrist, he was just a, <laughs> just a guy. That's a joke. I kind of liked because Ray Winstone plays it very well. Uh, I, 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 I like Ray Winstone a lot. Uh, I, I didn't hate it either, but I did still, you know, and this is like movie logic, like bullshitty stuff right. that like I would in a, in a better movie, I wouldn't give a shit about, but like, why did he go to that apartment? What exactly yeah. is happening? Well, that's because he is an insane person who makes no rational decisions in the entire movie. Fair, fair. I do think it's amazing, though, that of all the actors in this film, Ray Winstone's the one who's had the most illustrious career. Yeah, well, was was that a cameo at that point? I, I have a hard time tracking know. how famous some of those British people were in in the UK at any given time. Like I know that yeah. Ray Winstone had been acting since like the early eighties. So he but may have been like Ray a, Winston. and Ray Winstone kind of addition into that. Um, well, I'm curious now, but yeah, please, I mean, I, do I, I think- have any, do I have any stray notes? Oh, at the end of the movie, when she's in Josephine's apartment and sees the photo of all three of them together, I wrote that's some horror movie shit. <laughs> and it really is. Like yeah. that would I would I would run and run and run and never stop running if if I saw that. Ray Winstone had been acting for probably about fifteen years before this film came out, but um, I don't ultimately think he really became big until. I mean, what was Ray Winstone's big? Was it Sexy Beast? Feels like when I first noticed him. So a couple years after this was Sexy yeah. Beast. Uh, anyway, he. Uh, Look, I, and I will say one thing I did like. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to find a silver lining here. Okay. I do think a couple, and I mentioned this earlier, I think a couple of the li- isolated lines <laughs> okay. were okay. I do like when, when Ray Winstone at the end of the movie says, you didn't come to me because you can't make a decision. You came to me because you aren't happy with the decision you already made. I like that line. I like Ray Winstone. It's fine. It's fine. Um, <laughs> Okay. No, in so, context of what we all had just experienced for the last hour and a half, that feels that seems like 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 lightning cool. from the gods' wisdom no, there agree, at the end. I agree, of the movie. I agree with that. Shakespeare to Shakespeare. Yeah, uh, I did not see this film in '99, um, so I can't review it back then. Before this podcast, I gave this film a thirty, uh, but after this podcast, I'm at a twenty. I, I don't. I don't. I, Mr. Generous over there, out of a cool hundo. 99 out of a cool 99 out of a cool 99 um yeah i mean i there's there's nothing really to ride for here uh truly i think there's you know i i do think that monica potter is is charming to a certain degree um that's maybe the best thing i can say about this film uh what about you kenny what do you think uh i i you know when i have a little blurb to read i like to read it please read it (laughs) this might be one of our worst yep this is an inept piece of weinstein crap Yep. Not offensive, but my score must reflect how terrible this is in every stage, particularly because I think this is an aggressively trite movie that has delusions of grandeur. So I do agree with you, Clay. I do think like it. They did think that they were doing something uh, that may be a great film. 
Yeah, and the Daily Mail clearly agreed with them. I gave it a 22 before this podcast. I'm going to go down to a 17. Um, This is a bad movie, a bad, bad, bad movie uh, made by bad people. I don't know if it's made by bad people, but it's a uh, bad movie. Made by Weinstein and well, yes, Peter Morgan, he's a bad who's, person. who's our best person. So a bad person and a and, and our best person. Yes, there you go. And, and Nick Ham, who we we went ham on appropriately. Clay, what do you Nick think? Ham. Well, I've seen this movie twice now. Oh, insane. Uh, <laughs> insane. Uh, again, out of out of just pure curiosity on on a Monica Potter basis, and I will say. The rest of the cast, not Joseph Fiennes, but mm-hmm. I am a big Tom Hollander fan. I mentioned that a couple of times. I, I love whenever he shows up. I mean, Phil, Phil, we're both huge fans of the Pirates movies. We've we got are. some Tom Hollander in there, some very yes. good Tom Hollander in there. He's very good in that. Yeah. He's very good in Hannah. He's he's very good oh, yeah. in Pride and Prejudice. He's, yeah. he's very good in everything I've seen him in. I Controversial uh, movie, but I ride for Richard Curtis's About Time. He's very funny in About Time. I like Tom Hollander. So I saw that. I was like, oh, shit, Tom Hollander, Rufus Sewell, Man in the High Castle. This is all good stuff. I like all of this. Um, Saw the movie and did not remember a second of it. (laughs) (laughs) How long ago did you see this movie? Maybe four years ago. Oh, wow. And I did not remember a second of it. Uh, Would have given it just because I didn't remember it. I wasn't angry about it. I had not, um, I hadn't gotten all ginned up by the two of you over it yet. Um, I gave it maybe like a 33. I don't know. It's like a C minus. Uh, Upon second watch in this discussion, I I, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like we're down. I'm, I'm in, I'm in between Kenny and Phil. I'm at a, I'm at a 19. Fair. Fair point. Nineteen, um, uh, but it's I, just. Ugh. I am curious. So, so next week we are uh, we're doing carry to the rage. Um, yes, uh, I didn't know we're doing that. Sounds exciting. <laughs> I mean, we're eventually re- doing it. I'm going to so, watch carry one. I guess. I mean, yeah. I mean, you should probably watch carry one again uh, if you haven't. You've seen it though, right, Kenny? Oh yeah. You but, know me, uh, I'm the, the Palma completist. Yeah, we're, we're Becky Feldman's going to come on to talk about uh, about Carrie to the Rage. The reason I bring this up, Clay, is I love Becky. She's so funny. That's great. Becky's great. It's going to be great. Um, I'm sure you haven't seen Carrie to the Rage, right, Clay? Have you seen it? I have not seen Carrie to. But you've the seen Rage. the original Carrie, no. right? I have seen the original Carrie. Yes. Uh, Do you have thoughts on the original Carrie? I remember. It's been seven or eight years, but I remember it being very. Good. I mean, Kenny said he's seen Carrie one yeah. because he's a De Palma completist. And then he said, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm, so I don't know I, how to unpack that because being a De Palma completist is not yeah. something you would have to kid about. I, nor would you have, <laughs> nor would being a De Palma completist uh, need to be the reason to watch Carrie, one of the yeah. best regarded coming all, of age films ever made. I'll unpack it for you real fast. Uh, I think De Palma's no good. Um, oh wow! Wow! And like I just across the board? No, I, no, 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 no. Okay. I think he's. I think he's made some some spectacular okay, films. Okay, but okay. All, I also think he's made some spectacular movies, misses. Yes. Correct. Like like some just awful, awful, terrible films. Uh-huh. And he. And, but I. But he's a really interesting guy. Like yeah. I really, you know. Uh, like I read um, the book about the making a bonfire of the vanities. And mm-hmm. I think in that there's a lot of the Palma in there. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of fascinated by the movie brat thing 
where four of those guys go on to be four of like, you know, the 10 best American filmmakers of all time. And then there's De Palma, who is a great American filmmaker, but he's not them. So that's very interesting to me. I don't think that that's lost on him when he makes his films. I do think that De Palma actively is always shooting for that Coppola, Scorsese, Spielberg, uh, Lucas thing. So uh, I love that about him. And I think he misses wildly so often. And I also think his great films are not nearly at that level either. Um, but I fully agree I have with a, you. I have a very good friend, Manny, uh, Manny Figueroa, who like, thinks the bomb is one of the best filmmakers of all time. Guess. Yeah. And Manny's such a smart guy. And, and it really is, you know, forced me to kind of I uh, reevaluate, but yeah. I watched the, and I don't know if you watched the documentary that Noah Baumbach did on De Palma, um, which came out a few years ago. Yeah, um, it's great. It's fantastic, and it really made me reevaluate the misses in a blank checky kind of way. Like that, this guy was doing some interesting stuff, and I respect the swings. Definitely, um, and, and, and an and honest filmmaker, a hundred percent. And and. Uh, I think Carrie's an interesting film. I've not seen Carrie 2. I did see the Carrie remake that Kimberly Pierce did with Chloe Moretz um, whenever that was, probably about 10 years ago now or something like that, which is not a good movie, but was shot at my high school. So it was nice to see my high school burn to the ground. Very cool. cool. (laughs) Very cool. That was kind of cool. Well, Clay. Oh, I should say also, Phil. Yes. I texted you a couple of days ago Mm -hmm. and said, I've got a twist of my own. Yeah, <laughs> uh, in keeping with the theme with this film. Yeah, please. I have just discovered that there is not not one, but two Monica Potter films that came out in yes, 1999. Please, please, yes, talk about this other film that that you've only you have seen. The other film uh, is called Heaven or Vegas. <laughs> Monica Potter is not the star; she is third build. This is a movie about Richard Greco, 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 Richard Greco from. 21 Jump Street. Uh, Trump supporter, I believe. Trump supporter. And Yasmeen Bleeth uh, from Baywatch uh, as a male uh, hooker and a female hooker, respectively, escaping Vegas to go on the road and find a better life. Uh, they end up in, uh, I don't know, Montana or Idaho or something with Yasmeen Bleeth's uh, father and step family where Richard Greco falls in love with uh, the virginal sweet Monica Potter, who is Yasmin Bleeth's stepsister. Uh, oh I made God. it 25 minutes into this movie and said, it's not worth oh, it. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to do a whole bit where I went deep on heaven or Vegas. Uh, it's on Tubi, and that's the only place it is. Uh, <laughs> so you know it's good. I do I do love Tubi as a service. They have the most exquisite garbage on there. I In addition watched, to real movies. They have real movies as well, but I they I have Sea of Love on Tubi. Did oh, you? Did you? Oh, there you no, go. It's, it was IMDb TV. Oh, I I knew I watched Oh, with with ads. I watched okay. something recently on Tubi. I have, uh, I have the know, Blu-ray. No, t- Tubi is Tubi is cool. Is Tubi watching man. I was going to say Kenny's man. a Pluto man. Kenny yes. loves Pluto. Oh, it's very similar. I've been yes. watching um uh made-for-television Madshin Amik movies from the early 90s on Tubi. Yeah. So it's a great resource for stuff like that. Anyway, Heather watching, Vegas... We, I'm watching Twin Peaks from the start right now, and I get it, dude. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Can I just say that <laughs> I Watch appreciate... Sleepwalkers. Kenny, have you seen Sleepwalkers? No, no, no. I've, I've, the only thing I've ever seen her in before Twin Peaks 
was Riverdale. So I had knew nothing about oh, Machinamic. Oh, Machinamic oh Dream Lover with James Spader. Uh, great movie. Is a great movie. Um, Sleepwalkers, Mick Garris's Sleepwalkers, which is uh, was written or is based on a Stephen King book, uh, is a real fucking weird movie. Yeah. She's uh, so good in Twin She's Peaks, so though. good in it. Oh. And it, there's a scene, which if this appeals to me, because we used to record our podcast at the Arrow Theater in Santa Monica, uh, mm-hmm. Screen Drafts. There's a scene where she is working as a movie theater uh, employee at the Arrow, uh, and she's cleaning up at the end of the night and she's listening to a song uh, on her Walkman. And it's just like a three minute scene of her yeah. dancing around the lobby of the Arrow. Uh, it's this maybe my favorite. Yep. Yep. Sleepwalkers. Yep. Maybe my favorite you scene you in just, any movie. You just sold me. <laughs> it's, it's oh, and it's really, also about an incestual, uh, like, kind of werewolf, werewolf cult. Yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, guys, if you're not listening to Screen Drafts, you're doing it wrong. You should be listening to Screen Drafts. It's great. Uh, Kenny and I have had the the pleasure of being on it. We hope mm-hmm. to be on it again in the future. Um, it's pitching clay, it's- I'm pitching clay daily on new things. <laughs> Kenny has turned into a uh, a real Graham Skipper, just peppering uh, me, peppering <laughs> me with with with. Very good draft ideas, uh, and no, we will I, have you guys on. But again. I saw that. Absolutely. I saw that uh, that Dave Schilling. Mm-hmm. Barely missed out on doing professional wrestlers movies, not starring. It was very close. It was very I, close. I would love to throw my hat in the ring. Oh, I'd I love think. to listen to that. That was that's uh, that topic is still that topic is still out there in the ether. Uh, if, if, and Schilling, I know, if Schilling will have me, I would love to do it. Oh yeah, you and Schilling. Uh, and, that sounds uh, like one for the books. That and, sounds incredible. Yeah. Uh, you are the first people that come to mind when I think of uh, professional wrestling and a surprising number of people on who I follow on Twitter. I always forget professional wrestling exists. And then WrestleMania happens, and it seems like 75% of the people I follow on Twitter are huge wrestling fans. It's a, it's It surprises me every time. I, if anyone is interested like in, I'm sure, if you haven't listened to our episode on uh, Beyond the Mat, you should with Kenny and uh, and Dave talking wrestling. But if you're also interested... I did uh, listen to that and I learned so much. Um, also, Play It to the Bone has a good half hour segment of that episode where Kenny and Christian Lander talk wrestling we talked 99 uh, like we talk 99 wrestling like that. that's true i forgot about that it's, it's a good it's a good swath of that episode yeah, and it was then so big in 99 it, it comes up i mean it was in it was in muppet it was in yeah. uh the muppet movie, this muppet year. movie. <laughs> all over the place in 99 and we still have to do a wrestlemania episode as well kenny so, I, well I, mean, I know and i i mean that i as soon as you are double vaxxed you can come over yeah and we will, and we will, we will I'll watch. watch yeah. We'll watch all six hours of WrestleMania. It's six hours long. The best. I don't know if it's six hours, and I don't know if I would make people you watch were tweeting thing. about it for like three days as if it was oh, still well, happening. What the, the one this year was over two nights. Yeah, so it was crazy. Now, so, but the uh, the so, but in '99, the cool thing about '99. Uh, and the reason it's you know relevant to this day is The Rock was the top guy, right? So you know you'll watch The Rock and Steve Austin had their you know their first match in the main event of that of, of that thing. So it, if there was ever a moment, ever a time to watch wrestling, and it's nuts, like the shit that happened then was crazy. So yes, we will do that episode at some point. It's gonna be um, great. I can't wait. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we're done. Anyway, screen drafts. Great screen drafts. <laughs> Screendrafts is great. Uh, we can't wait to be back on. You also have a Patreon as well, right? Mm. There's a there's a Screendrafts Patreon. We, which, yeah. Just like you guys, we do have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash screendrafts. Uh, bonus stuff. 
every month. Uh, we do, uh, it, it, we have a schedule of like once every two or three months, we have a patrons versus episode where we bring on a fan favorite guest GM. The patrons come up with ideas for topics. They vote, we pick a topic. Then the patrons send us their ranked seven title list. Oh, wow. Okay. From that topic, I curate that into what I believe is the most representative list of the patrons will uh-huh. that is given to a proxy and they play against our, they represent the patrons versus uh, our guest GM this month. It is going to be Dave Schilling. Uh, okay. The topic that ended up winning the poll was comedians first dramatic leads. Films. Okay. Okay. Really a couple. interesting, weird topic. I've, I've received uh, a lot of a very disparate, slate of uh of picks from the patrons so we're recording that that'll be up i mean you're listening you're listening to this months on so that'll be when this is that'll be in the patreon uh but my co-host ryan marker and i also do um what we call the franchise mini super drafts where we pick five film franchises and these are also voted on by the patrons but franchises that have five movies Uh and it's just ryan and i going head to head on these mini super drafts uh we've done 11 or 12 franchises. Twilight was a real banger. Uh, the Pirates one was, Kenny, I think you, you would enjoy listening to that. Uh, yep. I think you and Ryan are perhaps of, I love Ryan. of a high mind. <laughs> I, 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 when I was on your, your podcast, it, re- it was really important to me that I got Ryan's sign off, and it really hurts my heart that he hates Top Gun so much. But the <laughs> reason it hurts my heart is because I deserve no blame for that. Phil killed the good plane movie in favor of the bad plane movie. Yeah, because Connor sucks. That's Connor an interesting sucks. take. Connor, uh, Connor rules. Con, Connor, Connor, Connor Con- rules. Con- uh, I w- but yeah. I, in retrospect, I kind of wish I went with American Gigolo. But okay, what are you going to do? Here's what I and I, I just want to say this as we as we wrap up. I pri- I think we did a phenomenal job on our Bruckheimer no. draft. I That's, really think we draft. draft. It was a great draft. It was a great draft, and I think you absolutely we absolutely got Ryan on board by the end. I think that Ryan was was a big fan of what we did on that uh, on that draft. Oh, I so, think so. I mean, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you guys are in good standing with my co-host, Ryan Marker. Uh, but yeah, look, the regular show is screen drafts. It's everywhere. Uh, it's you find podcasts. It's competitive list making with two people alternating picks listen to the one with phil and kenny doing jerry bruckheimer if you like that explore further i thought you were going to say listen to the episode with data and i which gets real contentious data schwartz and i uh that's good too uh if you guys want to hear us go toe-to-toe on reality bites that's the episode to listen to who knew (laughs) who knew that reality bites would be such a waterloo like i just never know it was never know i i really honestly believe i'd never been on the podcast before when when I came out with Dana, uh-huh. but the the look of <laughs> shock and awe that Ryan and you both had at what was transpiring and how uncomfortable you were by it was was really something. So I, I do you we love when it gets a little messy. Do you have the video of that? I'd love to see it. I do have the video of that. Yes, I referred to it back uh, when you guys were going to be on the show because we have if we have like vetoes. If you don't yeah. use them, you can roll them over. I had to yeah. refer back and because Phil and I had differing memories of if he had a rollover veto so i had to check the tape and uh kenny i'll 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 send you that you yep, i would love I'm to here. see video of just the just the reality bite segment i think that's uh, oh that's what i would watch i'm not gonna film make some inc- about incredible faces uh, <laughs> it was crazy <laughs> you're funny that i mean now we're going real deep on this podcast but the, the annoying thing to me about that 
is we pitched this podcast as two people who aren't afraid to mix it up. Right. <laughs> and, and we never mix it up. Like well, we do never, occasionally in like 200 episodes or something like occasionally we get into it. But for the most right. part, it's remarkable how often we just agree and we're just nice to each other. Mm-hmm. But you get more into it with Dana in that episode than you've gotten into, into it with me in anything we've done. Kenny is is jealous, Phil, that you're well, you guys Kenny, you are too you are, in line. You, you have too good of a relationship. You but are fighting. You're it, well because that's that, that's how I flirt. So like you're <laughs> fighting. You're you're fighting with someone else when you're supposed to be exclusive with me. It's very upsetting. <laughs> but it's because we agree because we both have good taste. It's that Dana was Dana's just trying terrible to be. Taste. She was, well, no, it's not that she has terrible taste. Dana has very good taste. But Dana was just like throwing a grenade into the situation just because. I know. You, it, was, it was a crazy situation. Anyway. I know. Uh, Clay, always a yes. pleasure. Thank you so much. Oh, for my God. Here. Oh, um, such. Look, I, the, the thing I love about this mm-hmm. is I love talking to you guys. Also, uh, on our show, we do mostly talk about good movies because it is like best of sure, stuff. Sure, sure. So usually we're talking about movies that are are all pretty good. Love the chance to really pick apart something that just plain doesn't work. <laughs> usually a more fun conversation for me. Uh, so I thank you for indulging me. You you could have easily said, "Oh, technically." The very thought of you slash Martha meet these three assholes is a nineteen ninety eight movie, uh, and said we're not going to do it. But um, my my weird my weird thing with Monica Potter continues, uh, yes. and it flourishes. Mm-hmm. And if there was a way I could convince you that U.S. Marshals came out in nineteen ninety nine. I would insist we do <laughs> that. <laughs> that. That's my other Monica Potter level. Uh, uh, Kenny, how did you put it? I. It's, you worked yourself into a shoot on it. I worked myself into into a shoot. Uh, so I've got yes. several of those. This is the only one that applies to your show. So thank you for yeah. having me on. This was a lot. All of right, fun. we uh, and we'll uh, be doing a Patreon with Clay yeah. We're as doing well. we're, we're for that. Clay's coming on for Sea of Love, and we're going to talk with him about that. Um, yeah, a, right, a good movie. Uh, yeah, it's going to be great. One last thing, please rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, speaking of subscribing, check out our Patreon on all the best films of 1989. Batman, When Harry Met Sally, Fabulous Baker Boys, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Ghostbusters 2, Field of Dreams, Major League, and many, many more. We are covering all the best films of 1989 with amazing guests like Joanna Robinson, Liz Hanna, Hunter Covington, Brian Cogman, David Iserson, and many, many more. All your favorite guests from our 1999 podcast are coming on to the 1989 Patreon. You can sign up for it at patreon.com backslash podcast like it's 1989. For only $5, you get access to all of these awesome episodes. And for a few bucks more, you get video of our 1999 episodes as well. Plus, there are other very cool tiers too, where you can even be a guest on our podcast. Also, please check out our Reddit as well at reddit.com backslash podcast like it's. We're also on Twitter at podcast like it's. We're also on Instagram at podcast like it's. Thank you to Ernie and Will for producing our episode, Sullivan for our social media, Yonkatas for our artwork and theme songs. And most of all, thank you all for listening. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.